Welcome to the Where Does It Come From podcast. We all have so much stuff in our lives and we're starting to realise that this can cause harm to the people who make it, the planet and even ourselves. I'm Jo Salter, founder of Where Does It Come From, creating kind clothes and textiles with a tail. On this podcast, I'll chat with people who've dedicated themselves to making the world better, creating businesses, campaigning, writing books and much more. This time I'm talking with Azuz El Maroi about Coffee Link, the sustainable coffee business that he set up with wife Rebecca. After studying hotel, catering and institutional management at Westminster College, Azuz worked as a manager with Pizza Hut, Starbucks and Costa before establishing Coffee Link in 2005. For the last 16 years, Rebecca and Azuz have grown Coffee Link from one Ipswich-based espresso bar into a regional brand, expanding it to 23 retail units, including train stations, and establishing themselves as an online brand in 2020. Hello and welcome to the Where Does It Come From podcast. I'm really excited this time to have Azuz with me. Um, Azuz is the co-founder of the Coffee Link chain here in Suffolk. And um, so thank you. Welcome aboard the um, Where Does It Come From podcast, Azuz. Thank you. Good morning, Joe. Thank you very much. Thank you for inviting me to be uh, uh, with you and talk to you. It's wonderful to have you here um, and we've met on several occasions and we are keen customers of Coffee Link as well, which is always a, a nice thing. <laughs> so our uh, first question I really wanted to ask you, um, Coffee Link is a sustainable, ethical, traceable coffee brand. What prompted you to start that up? It was a, a transformation, really. So we didn't uh, set up a, uh, an ethical business, really. So we've become ethical in, in a way even though the, uh, the, 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 the motives, the ethics of the business were sort of ethical but, uh, uh, from the beginning. But we've become more ethical as years passed by. And we've, for example, five years ago, we decided to have 120 solar panels on our roastery in Ipswich. Um, and uh, a few years before that, we started using biodegradable cups. Um, and a few years before that, uh, maybe a couple of years after we started, back in 2007 we um, were noted online and uh, uh, for our support for rainforest alliance certified coffees and we were approached by the um, certification body and we are now certified a rainforest alliance uh, uh, coffee suppliers so it has been really a, a transformation um, a, a series of changes and as we grew as rebecca and i grew into the business and grew the number of units we have we realized that it's so, so important to really interact with our customers and suppliers in more ethical ways and, and try and look for products that will uh, make a difference, so both to our customers and our producers. Um, it, since then, obviously, our business grew and uh, we are indebted to people like yourself who support us, uh, especially in Suffolk, that helped us really grow and go to Essex and Hertfordshire and line with Norfolk so and, and now obviously with online so we have really grown and we feel really lucky and blessed that we've had the support we've had and we couldn't have done it with our customer without uh, 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 our customers I just feel that you know being ethical makes sense and there has never been a time really where um, 
those values are much more uh, uh, needed than than they are now. Uh, I just feel lucky that we've started our journey in, into uh, ethical practices a long time ago, uh, and um, it, it probably um, did seem like a lonely thing to do. And you scratch your head and think, "Oh, am I compromising my profitability by trying to do things differently?" And I'm proud to say that actually, it's you know, I'm proud to have made decision or taken decision the way we've done. Uh, and I'm sure you can relate to those stories because you probably have a similar trajectory where you've had a series of thoughts that may do the things that you do on starting your organization. And it's very, very inspiring, as I said to you earlier, uh, when you see there are more people doing it because it just reinforces those ethics. It reinforces those uh, experiences. And you think, ah, wow, you know, we are doing the right thing. This is the right uh, route to take to to. Uh, growth to profitability to um, being a better human being really and so yes yeah, so our journey started but not so ethical as it is at the moment but the heart was always there uh, both from drawing experiences from my childhood back in Morocco um, to uh, living on sort of farm with olive, uh, olive groves and everyone having to chip in and harvest and um, to having all sorts of vegetables growing and you think uh, life was a lot sim simpler but was more meaningful and I would like to carry that in our decision making and now is just a matter of trying to communicate those values to the rest of the team and make sure that people who join us share those values because you know uh, uh, work relationships don't always work if you don't really see eye to eye when it comes to to those uh, values it's just easier now because everyone is more aware and and it's, it's a good place to get to because there was not as much awareness um, say 10 years ago or 15 years ago when we established uh, our business uh, i find it easier now i feel more energetic about it even though sometimes i feel really tired but you do <laughs> you do feel more energized because you think wow there's more momentum if you watch news on television these you know talk about the environment you know i was watching uh, prince william talk about um, uh, uh, and it was inspiring it was a fantastic program because you look and you think wow these countries around the world there are people like me they, they are actually people in developing countries in first world countries third world countries and they are all doing the same thing and they all have a very similar awareness and i think it's very inspiring very important and i think it's just a matter of time before there will be a tipping point where um people will become much more familiar with these things because you can be profitable and ethical at the same time you can sleep at night you don't have to um, uh, do anything that damages the environment because now uh, if we're related to coffee you either buy a coffee that deforests or you either buy a coffee that sustains a forest and 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 this is the subject obviously that we could talk about later why we choose forest growing coffees mm. And, and, and I've been to Ethiopia a couple of years ago and it was a fantastic experience because I knew Ethiopian coffees were special, but I didn't really realize until I was there. And 
you visit a farm and you don't know what kind of farm you visit. And when you go and find a farm in the middle of a forest, and I think, wow, this is fantastic. No, it's amazing. I yes. think the forest, the forest, well, you know, we'll talk, we'll talk about all of the, the traceability, but I think it is that whole thing about once you know the stories behind things, isn't it? And that's what we do, obviously. And that's what I love about your website. You're talking about the stories, the farmers, the people you've met, because I, I suppose we've become, we've become into this world where we just want something. We go to the shop and we pick it off the shelf and we put it in our basket or order it online. And you have no connection with that. You have no emotional connection with that. But once you know the story that the farmers are growing it, like you say they're in the forest, it's 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 just more special, isn't it? Yes, Definitely. absolutely, absolutely. I mean, it's it's uh, it it is a, it's important, and I think we just need to be better at communicating those messages. We yes. get we get busy on with the daily business, and we're not we. We're not a polished business, you know. Uh, you know, in terms of our marketing campaigns, and uh, and bigger companies tend to do a better job, uh, but uh, maybe with less heart than we do yeah. in a way. Yeah. Because um, I think it's really important to um, tell those stories because they mean so much to our customers. Because our customers go out of their way to support us. They could go coffee anywhere, but uh, as I said to you, I know that bigger companies sometimes go to a village and say, oh, there's £100,000 to a buyer, and then they would buy coffee for next to nothing. Yeah. Because they would say, oh, I can pay you this price, but I will buy all your harvest. I just wanted to go back, because I don't think you've really been, I think you've been very modest about your success. So you started in yeah. um, 2005, was it? That's right, yes. 2005, I mean, so that's what, um, a long time ago, I don't do the maths here and now, but, and you've made these incredible changes. But, um, you know, how many outlets do you have now? At the moment, we have 18. Yes, that's amazing. Uh, yes, it has dropped because we had to close a few units and uh, the pandemic has really affected us in so many ways. And uh, we're not the only ones, uh, but it's been a, uh, an, uh, an amazing le- learning curve, really, both uh, financially, emotionally, you know, culturally for the business. But... Uh, even though we're tired, we are really full of energy in, in, mm. in terms of seeing what could be for, for our business. In yes, so, full of beans, as you Exactly, full of beans. That's a good one. I love that. <laughs> <laughs> See, if I said it, it would sound, it would sound really bad. <laughs> So we are full of beans, absolutely. And we've got so many, so many copies to shout about. Um, but it's, there are so many positives actually to the pandemic and I know it sounds really horrible but it's been it's been a tough time but only during those tough times do you discover certain things to to yourself to ourselves Uh, and our our businesses are no different because what what are our businesses they're just a a collection of individuals so we, we tend to talk about business as if this uh, different structure but it is us it's, it's people us yeah it's all people, people. yeah customers so, are people the makers are people the staff exactly. are people exactly. so um again you're, you're not you're not boasting enough i'm just going to say you say you have 18 outlets you have a large number of staff you sell online you hire out um, or you put out coffee carts and things for events as well, don't you? And pop up all over marketplaces and things like that. I mean, it's amazing what you've achieved in this time and without compromising on your principles, in fact, growing your principles and doing more and more and more. So, I mean, it's, as you said before, it's a lonely place. And I think back in 20, 20, 2005, it was probably an even lonelier place than it is now. Yes. I mean, it, it was honestly, I, I, 
really remember days when I thought, well, I, I want to serve this coffee. And um, uh, sometimes the pricing can be prohibitive because obviously to our customers, especially because um, you want to provide a service that will make a difference to their lives, make their day better. And we know how important coffee is. And But now there's another layer you say, well, I want to buy this coffee and serve this coffee to our customers because I genuinely think it's the right thing to do because it doesn't damage the environment. It protects the forest. You need a forest to be able to call a coffee forest coffee. And by the way, when I talk about forest coffee, we're not talking about um, um, overly grown uh, um, forests or wild forests. Um, we're talking about managed forests because obviously in tropical forests, you, it's very impenetrable. You know, you can't go in and just say, oh, I'm going to har harvest this tree. So we're talking about forests that are forests, but um, uh, they are managed, so to speak, in the sense that uh, they have uh, coffee shrubs uh, at the base of lovely, huge trees. And, and those are the kind of environments I talk about. So um, uh, there is no deforestation to grow coffee, there are some farms that you and I would associate with a vineyard style coffee farm. So those are what I would probably hesitate to buy. Um, but sometimes we have to because the demand our customers sometimes don't really care so much. But we notice that there is an increase in number of people who do care, who want to know the stories, who ask questions. We have emails that, that really want to know where the coffee came from. They want to read about it. They want to see images. They, they want to uh, see the certifications that we have. They want So th there is a much greater awareness. So gone are the days where people are just happy with uh, a, a stale brew or, or a stale <laughs> cup of coffee. Yeah. So people are much more demanding. And we were just having this conversation here over a cup of coffee this morning. And um, our palettes are changing so much that it's honestly it's music to my ear because it just challenges us in the most positive way our customers are saying do you know what we we don't mind if we pay a little bit more but we want nice coffees we don't want our coffee to come from farms where employees are abused or overworked we want um, our coffee to come from places where there's no deforestation and as i said to you really in real terms it translates are we buying produce that uh, helps deforestation or are we not and those are the thought processes that we need to have now, because whether it's coffee, tea, chocolate, clothing, we just need to unlearn what we've learned for so many years. And we need to really start questioning everything and say, yeah. am I supporting a business that deforests? Am I exactly. Yeah. Am I supporting a business that uh, 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 underpays their employees or... or I know slave labor is probably a strong word for this, but it does exist. It certainly does. Yes, it certainly does. It's the out of sight things, isn't it? So, um, I mean, I was talking to a bunch of kids at West Suffolk College uh, day before yesterday, and it was trying to say to them, I don't mind what questions you ask, but ask the questions. Whenever you go into a shop, ask the questions and they're saying well people won't know the answers they know but if they don't know the answers then maybe they'll go and ask the questions but we have to ask the questions is it damaging the environment is it harmful for the people who are making it and and so many other things i mean i, I bet you a lot of people don't think about deforestation when it comes to coffee oh absolutely i mean uh, it's so i mean coffee can actually help uh, reforestation uh, because in uh, coffee comes from 
uh, tropical climate, for example. It doesn't grow in the northern hemisphere, it doesn't grow in the southern hemisphere. So there's a, a sort of belt, we call it the coffee belt around the globe. And, and that's where coffee grows. So, uh, so it tends to be high altitude, very fertile soil. And, and that's when most of the forests, big forests happen. Um, I watched, I can't remember the name of the program, but it was a program about Papua New Guinea and it's mm-hmm. the fourth biggest rainforest in the world. And I didn't know that. I mean, these are selection of islands and uh, by New Zealand and Australia. And um, the coffee is amazing. But there is such a lack of information and most of the farmers struggle to export their coffees. So I am thinking, what can we do to actually get those coffees and keep things as they are? Keep keep things as they are. Because when I was in Ethiopia, uh, uh, again, it it probably doesn't sound, sounds wrong to say, but sometimes farmers lack of uh, uh, knowledge and material means to interfere or overdevelop is actually a blessing it's a good thing uh, now this is not to say i'm in favor of keeping uh, farmers poor the opposite i'm i'm actually uh, uh, buying and paying above market prices for coffee just to achieve uh, um, a level of uh, of parity or fairness in our um, uh, uh, because we tend to make more money in the west than uh, producing countries yes yeah and, definitely. And that's definitely not sustainable because when you visit a farm and you find the, 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 the conditions not good, you think, well, I don't feel good. I think no, exactly. it's wrong. So we, we say, how much would you like for, for your coffee? And then we say, yes, but we want the best cherries, mm. only the best, only the ripest cherries. So those are the conditions and the kind of conversations we have with our producers. And it is difficult because you could say, I can pay as much as I can, but then you need to be able to say, I can sell it profitably. Yeah, definitely. And, yeah, and, and it's a really, we're in the UK, we are probably better positioned to achieve that, to make sure that it, the model works where people are willing to pay. Uh, but it, it's, it's the communication, as we said before, isn't it? If people understand, I mean, what you're talking about with regards to relationships with farmers, it reminds me very much of what we talk about with cotton um, in the industry that I'm involved with. So we are now trying to work with farmers who, farm using indigenous seeds indigenous cotton varieties because they're in sympathy with the planet so they don't require rainfall they don't require water they use rainfall they don't require hazardous pesticides because they're they're used to the they've kind of i don't know evolved with knowing about the pest situation in that area but of course it's humanity that's transported seeds and done genetic modifications and things that requires the um, amount of water and pesticides and chemicals that get added to things so we kind of want to go I wouldn't say go back really it's it's going forward but with that knowledge so that the farmers can keep farming in the way that is traditional and using this this indigenous seeds and and cultivation methods that they have used going back you know hundreds of thousands of years or whatever yes but they're not they're being valued for that it's not like you're just some farmer far away and we don't want to know what you do we just want the product it's like let's celebrate that let's help that but and and as you say don't encourage them to be doing some of the things that will maybe give them bigger yields and things like that because that isn't the answer for our planet yes yes absolutely and 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 these 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 subjects are um um very important to to address because uh, the balance between growth and and sustainability is they're not really compatible sometimes because 
you know, yes, all of us want to have a year on year growth. And, but I've started having second thoughts about this. Yes, you, you want to grow, but at what costs? You know, how, how, you know, what is the real cost really? Yes, it, it's, there's an inner desire in all of us to expand and grow and, 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 and uh, achieve our ideas. But I think the key to doing it sustainably is probably a better understanding of the purpose, the real purpose, really, for why you want to do it. And this is why I said earlier, we need to unlearn the stuff mm. that we've been taught for so many years, because it's very tempting just to follow and, uh, and just achieve, because you see other companies, you think, oh, wow, you know, they're doing so well, I could do the same. Of course, it's tempting. But for me, I want to grow up. I want to do it really in a nicer, in a better way. And I want to buy better coffees. I want to serve better coffees. But I also know, because for, I'll give you an example again, going back again to forest growing coffee. Traditionally, people will frown in the industry about forest growing coffee because they can't achieve the consistency of quality. I think that's the beauty of it. You know? yeah. I mean, I, I read, and, and I think there will be a return in the industry to how special it is to have something that's slightly different than last season mm. and, and has different minerals, different sugar levels than last season because it reflects the rainfall of the season, whatever. And, and I mean, I'm sure we can all relate to supermarket food that gets rejected because it doesn't really look like a carrot and we're going to take it away because even though it's a carrot and tastes like a carrot, the supermarket will not include it in the carrot box mm. because so those are the, the kind of examples that I can give you to illustrate. So I am so passionate about forest grown coffee that I genuinely feel is the best way forward. If we are to stop deforesting just to grow coffee, and it's a very insatiable ap appetite at the moment where we could use coffee to actually reforest, mm. you know, to yeah. really, you know, it takes five years to get a coffee uh, uh, harvest from a shrub amazing amount of years that you could grow uh, regrow forest but it's easier said than done because none of us really individually has enough control to say i want this to be done so mm. it needs more involvement and this is why in the last couple of years three years i've shown more interest to to learn about the sdgs i'm sure you've yes, learned uh, definitely and uh, thanks to gary battelle actually who is a forestry advisor with the ipswich Bar council um and he was with me on the trip to Ethiopia and uh, introduced me to a charity that his uncle started in Ethiopia and uh, called Partners for Change. And um, so it's, it's, and he really introduced me to the, to, to, to the sustainable development goals uh, during an event. And now I'm thinking, wow, actually, and that's the next big thing. When enough people see the purpose of it, the reasons for doing it, because wouldn't it be amazing where you know that your actions help people have food on the table and it's yeah. better and wouldn't no, it be definitely. amazing that, to know that your actions are not deforesting the, uh, someone's forest now we know that it's important because we know that we share the air so air doesn't know borders so it's just going to come our way somehow that's and, really true yeah and, really true. and it's, it's 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 important to highlight these but I know my limitations. I know I'm just or only one business who wants to succeed, yes, but also wants to do it sustainably, ethically. But we're faced with obstacles all the time. 
I used to worry about the obstacles, but now I say, bring them on in a way because we need to go through them. We really need to go through them so we can see if there's a better way, truly a better way of doing things. And I just enjoy going through them. It sounds really crazy, but I'm thinking, well, we need to go through those, those experiences, those obstacles, those battles, so we can see what's on the other side. Is there truly a better way of living? Yeah, no, definitely. Do you know, it's interesting, you, you triggered two things in me. One, um, yet again, the similarities between cotton and fabrics and, and, and uh, fibres with coffee, because um, some of the fibres and fabrics we work with, that it, the cotton grows differently every year, you know, based on the rainfall and those kind of things. And then they're hand woven. And a lot of big companies will say, but it needs to be exactly the same color it needs to be exactly the same texture the cotton needs to be the same we're like well that isn't nature nature isn't the same every single year so you know it's a it's something that um it isn't possible to it isn't and i think it's the beauty of it you don't want everything why why are we so used to having everything exactly the same all the time you know the beauty is that nature changes and so do the things that you um take from nature change as well so that, i think that's a really interesting point and then the other thing you just said about um sort of pushing through and seeing through to the other side and making it better it makes me think back to um, a few episodes ago I interviewed um, John Taylor who works in the green energy area and he made the point that we seem to be aiming we seem to think that um, that we've got what we've got is as good as it gets and being as sustainable and ethical will take away from what we have now whereas in fact what we can get by working with the sustainable development goals and working with ethics and sustainability is something better than we've got now. We should be aiming for something even better, not thinking that, you know, this is what we've got and it's going to be taken away from it. Yes. I I know John actually, because he, um, uh, I attended the, uh, well, he knows Gary Battelle as well. So yeah, I've I've met Gary as well. Yeah. yeah, So you can see there is a little bit of a connection there. And um, I uh, mentioned to you earlier about our uh, 120 solar panels, and you can see them if you do Google Earth on our rosary, which I am really proud of. And I'm even more proud that it happened a good few years ago. Yeah. Uh, and, uh, but John was um, uh, uh, the person I spoke to about it, and, and I picked his brain, and uh, they had some uh, schemes in place, which we didn't take advantage of. But it just made me realize, actually, I want to do this, but I want to do it ind- independently. And I'm glad we did, because mm-hmm. we actually now put energy back into the, in the grid, uh, into the grid, which is, which is lovely to, to do. Um, uh, so, yeah, I mean, I, I, I think there are, uh, as you rightly said, it doesn't really matter whether it's coffee or cotton. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, it's, it's the values behind it, it's the purpose behind it, it's why, mm-hmm. it's the, the why. We're scared to ask why, because we've been conditioned. And we learned over the years how to do things, and we look and we um, we, we 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 judge and we we uh, just make up our mind. But I genuinely think that it's time again to ask why. Why are we doing it? Yes, questions all the time. Questions. Yeah. I think it's so important. I mean, one thing we we did um, talk about just before the call, we were starting to chat, and I said, "No, hold that for the call." But we, I find, I certainly find, is where does it come from? I put my hands up, and I know that lots of people that that we probably both know and and struggle with when you offer an ethical sustainable product um, in a market where still cheap tends to be the top of the list so if you're buying online everyone's comparing by price and nothing else it's a, a challenge to get your story across in a way that people understand that it's so much more than than 
just the price. It's, it's the other values behind the product, the quality of the product um, and the whole supply chain. Um, has this been a problem for you trying to get that message across about price versus ethics? Yes, it, it, it is. It is a big issue. Like, uh, 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 no one wants to buy high uh, to pay high prices. I mean, it's it's again, it's it's an instinct. It's um, uh, we're all bargain hunters, you know, naturally, instinctively. We would like to 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 look for value, and um, but this is the question of reimagining value, redefining value, because you what is value this is where we start asking the question really is is value just to me or is value just to you or is it value to us and 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 how we we connect with each other and i think once we redefine in once we start redefining defining the meaning of the word value uh, and become more inclusive then those impulses that stop us from supporting one another disappear because your success is my success. And if I see you doing well, I mean, I draw inspiration from what you do. You know, I do. I mean, I, I, I see a lot of people do things and I think we don't say it, but you think about it. And sometimes you think about it a week later, mm. a day later, an hour later. And you think, oh, wow, that, why would that person do that? You know? And then once you start peeling the layers you know of 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 the reasoning behind it and you think oh wow okay well that person is a little bit more enlightened you've, you've got a better understanding and then you start feeling that temptation to be better yourself and then when you start understanding it fully you really accept the cost the cost becomes secondary mm. because the cost is 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 the price you pay but it's not the end, it's the means to the end. Mm. So, yeah, yeah. yeah, if you want a, a better a piece of fabric, you know, you know, you, you want to pay as much as it takes to get it. Yes, you exactly. Want it. Exactly. And I think people will, um, it's interesting, when I was talking to a customer recently about um, fabrics, and we were talking about, I think it was comparing, again, it's forest silk. It's about, it's about growing, picking up the, cocoon, the silk cocoons from a forest. That's so that whole reforestation thing again. And we were talking about prices for things like cottons and bamboos and things like that. And the customer was saying, oh, no, something like forest silk. If, if, if a customer's talking about something like that, they're not even caring about the price. For them, that's just a luxury. That's a top of the range. It doesn't matter what the price is. So it's almost like the, it's the, the lower prices where people are, looking for that value when it when you get right up high to the top of the range there's yeah. no value and it's the same with wine isn't it actually people will buy haggle over a cheap wine but they'll pay anything for a top of the range wine and i think because th those kind of people understand that they're unique they have yes. their, their own attributes you know it's it's um, yes. a story again it's the story behind the wine that when the grapes grew all of that kind of thing Absolutely. And I think you've uh, you made me think of another example that I can share with you. I mean, you probably find it, and it, because I did too, unimaginable that, that somebody would pay uh, £5,000 for a kilogram of coffee. Mm. But it did happen on a, in an auction because that was a finite amount of coffee and someone in South Korea bought it. I mean, I, it just made me stop you know, when yeah. I heard it. But this hi highlights, this is obviously an extreme example where somebody who happens to have enough funds, wants to outwit anybody, and it was an auction, so there was a lot of wild bidding, but that person would be happy because 
they, a, they have the funds, B, they want the product. Yeah. So because they wanted it, they can justify the end. Again, it's really difficult to talk about this subject because, again, you don't want to dismiss that some people can't have enough. Yeah. They don't have enough means to pay for those things. And again, it's really difficult to really try and make sense of it all. So I, I don't mean to dismiss uh, uh, when someone hasn't got enough money to pay certain things. But it's just the way we think about things, the way we define value, because I think that we're all capable of uh, doing the right thing. And I think maybe, just maybe, once we start reimagining and redefining what the word value means, it will trickle down. Maybe the whole thing will change. Maybe um, there will be a new way of doing things, but the, the lack and, and the the, the, the concept of lack may not be as dominant as it is now because it's not nice when you see someone who has to buy um, heavily processed food mm. or um, uh, struggles to buy necessities to eat. Yeah. That, for me, it's not good. It's not it's, acceptable, it's, is it? I mean, the yeah. thought that somebody like that, the thought of going into a coffee shop and spending three pounds on a cup of coffee, that three pounds could buy them you know yes. potatoes a meal whatever um and it's, it's but then but then that's that's awful and, and tragic but the majority of say like in london working people going to offices maybe not so much now but um they're just popping in and buying a coffee on the way to work it's just it's just normal for them exactly exactly so so it's all all relative but it's it's a very i find it really important subject to tackle and and uh, and we need to all be more conscientious buyers mm. um I still feel that we are probably better positioned in this country because people are highly conscientious with their spending. Uh, not everyone, but people tend to really um, give a lot of thought to where they buy things. Um, but as I said, all of us want value. You know, it's we can't help it. You know, we like to shop around. Uh, but uh, if the information available now, and I think it's heartwarming to see the um, issues of climate change on the on the, on on. on the news almost every day because that will be fundamentally changing our culture of thinking you know because at the end of the day it really is us who uh, it's for i i know everyone knows it's us but if there is pollution in one country or there is a factory in bangladesh that's uh, with horrible conditions goes up in fire or yeah. or, or it's really us. We're actually driving that. We, 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 yeah. The demand is is so big that, and, and because we're bargain hunters, we tend to go to places that sell those products. Yes. And because we want to. So this is where I said to you the word value. Whose value is it? Is it is it because we're so selfish that we just worry about our value, or is it because we, if we only stopped when we buy a t-shirt for a pound or a pound fifty, brand new, and then think, well, how much would the, the, an employee get uh, for, for this one pound is it 20 pence that's it. exactly that's exactly the questions i was putting to these students the other day actually i was trying to say break it down you know break it down all the time um, and, and ask those questions you know how much is the brand getting how much is the tailor getting how much is the farmer getting you know all the way through but it's it's an interesting one i mean probably one we could go talk about for hours around economic models you know i mean i agree with you i think it's um values are changing for for many people and we're asking a lot of questions but while while it is still um the economic model that we have now which is 
plenty, isn't it? It's having warehouses packed full of coffee beans, cotton, clothing, whatever. And people, they're, they're buying, making it in mass and they're buying it in mass. And those things are then available for people. And people seem to take that as their right. I mean, we see when um, energy prices go up or when petrol is suddenly not available, as we've had over the last couple of weeks, people are arguing about that. And, and the same as you, I, I understand that there's people who genuinely can't afford and it's a real struggle for them. So that's I have huge sympathy with that. But there's also a very large bunch of people in the middle as, uh, who, who believe it is their right. And maybe we all have this. Maybe this is in all of us. It's our right to have what we want when we want it. And that's because and for a price that we find acceptable. And that is um, something that has been created in us by our market culture. Whereas, in fact, resources are finite, you know, and there are other people in the world who are making those things for us and there are impacts on our whole future our whole planet's future by that so it's it, there needs to be a change in the way we think about how we use items and also thinking about the impacts of everything that we buy but maybe we need to somehow get over this this thing that it's our right to have what we want when we want and to pay what we want and and otherwise it's not fair you know um Yes, I, I think you've, you've, uh, that's a, a, a brilliant point because it's the, um, it's the sense of expectation and, and the sense of uh, maybe entitlement, maybe again, it's yeah, not a problem, but you know, we, we, we always feel, and this is where I said the selfishness sometimes of us as consumers and, and our bargain hunting mentality. And as I said, it's everyone. I, I mean, I mean, I, I do it. Uh, I'm trying to become more aware of it. Yeah. And I try and change my buying habit, whether it's coffee or where you eat or what you buy. Or I try and look. I mean, I'll give you an example. For example, um, uh, there was a program um, a couple of years ago about uh, a Vietnamese expat who lived in America, in the United States of America, and then moved back. And he did a documentary about a big manufacturer. Maybe I shouldn't mention the name, but uh, of instant coffee, um, and 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 the the appetite probably far stronger in developing countries in Africa, and the whole country was geared towards producing robusta, which is a lower grade of coffee, grows in lower elevations, is much more disease resistant, and higher in caffeine. So that's what makes instant coffee, which is heavily processed. And um, he was almost in tears because he said, well, the land has been stripped of its minerals because of the pesticides and the herbicides to really strengthen the harvest. And, and, uh, and he, the, the, the facility of this business was impressive. I mean, they are huge. They're probably number one in the world, you know, and, and it's huge, huge, huge business, a, a European-based business. And um, so the facility was impressive and yes, I thought, wow, that's amazing. But then again, when you think about it, I thought, wow, did this, the whole farming community is feeding just this one business. Mm. Now, if this business um, stops buying from them and it's so easy to monopolize and say, I will buy all your harvest, but you send me your pound or your coffee for a pound a kilo or less, it's so strong. And they do do it. And more importantly, not just the business dynamic it's the land because the land is stripped yeah. and the land would be no good for anyone for five years of yeah. life is resting and is rainfall minerals replenishment and so on and it needs to repair itself and i think we probably take it for granted now 
how much we draw from earth. We are literally <laughs> earth on walking on two feet because that's what we do. We get our nourishment from earth. Yeah. And we, 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 you know, that's how, you know, everything's connected, but a lot of people don't see it that way. No, they don't, it, don't you see. take from it. It's something that you take yes. from, you don't have to put back. That's, a, I mean, that's a really, really interesting point that you're saying there. And it reminds me of a movie that was made a few years ago called the True Cost movie. And it was trying to, it was about fashion, but it was asking, what what how do we measure the actual costs in making a product because at the moment we don't do we you buy the cloth in your case the, the, the base coffee or whatever you don't think about the earth and what happens to the earth how do you measure those costs how do you measure the effects of the biodiversity in that area of the pesticides and chemicals how do you measure the carbon that has yes. been you know so all of those different things are not measured you don't measure in, in terms of price the price just that things get sold for certain prices as low as possible but there are long-term costs yeah i mean we we do i think uh we we do take it for granted but i think it's it's high time to really bring it to the fore and realize that we we really do we we have the authority the power to actually make those decisions maybe we should eat less maybe we should eat better Mm. and and for me it's 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 like it's an easy we should be more discerning about what we eat but maybe eat less I don't know. I will. Mm. Maybe instead of having, I don't know. It's really difficult. But as I said, personally, I think we need to be more careful about our buying habits because it literally impacts everything. Yes. We don't see it immediately because you can't. We don't have time to connect the dots and say, "Oh, where does my vegetable come from?" You know. I mean, look. I've just said it without thinking, but really, you asked a very good point. You know, where does it come from? Where does it come from? Yeah. It's really and and. Uh, um, it's funny because only after I said it every <laughs> we are what you do and and it's so so important to really ask those questions you know where is it going where does it come from how much does it cost yes they are they're fantastic questions because then you can say well I can buy this or I don't need to buy this because just by exercising that authority you're making one business thrive and then not another and I think it's about time uh, uh, businesses because some businesses have been printing money literally yeah you know, because we're being like just fed anything and we bought anything and uh, so it is time to highlight the ones that do well in certain in certain areas because when you said it was a lonely it wasn't just for us lonely it was for many producers oh hugely where, yeah yeah because they couldn't they, i mean i feel blessed and lucky that we're still going but some people can't. They give up or they get too bogged down with it. Yeah, circumstances, exactly. Circumstances, exactly. Financial circumstances, and they give up. But we mustn't give up because it's so fundamentally so important to really realize what we're doing is right. And this is what I said to you when I see people like yourself. You not just the inspiration; it's actually the energy. You think, well, actually, yes. You know, we, this can be done. There are lots of people. And we are. We are very lucky. I mean, I. I I'll say to you here now, I find what you do hugely inspiring and I feel kind of in awe of your success of having achieved what you've achieved. So I keep saying it's, it's amazing. You've been going since um, 2005 and you have, I mean, in for people who are not, who are listening to this, who are not based in uh, Suffolk and around East Anglia, there's coffee links everywhere. Now they're popping up. You go to an event, there's a coffee link store and I'm like, that's, that's a Zeus and Rebecca's brand. You know, that's amazing. I think that's amazing. I, 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 I the same as you, I would love, my, my plans for where does it come from are not to pop up at every <laughs> with a coffee cart at every event but to be so known and to be known for your ethics and your values and 
I mean, personally, I know my husband is a, a huge fan of, of Coffee Link. And if we were somewhere, he would, and there was a choice of coffees, and he would go to Coffee Link, you know, even if it, he wouldn't look at the price, it would be the, the thing. And, you know, and he doesn't know you. He just likes your coffee and likes your values. Well, I'll give him my thanks. <laughs> I will. I will. As over his, uh, He has a, a Coffee Link coffee every lunchtime. I will say to him, I've been talking to a zoos about that. <laughs> but, yeah, so anyway, go, go, back, sorry, go back to what we were saying. So, yeah, I mean, it's an interesting point that, that you just raised about, um, and it brings me on to one of my questions, which is with all the things that you've been doing, there must have been high points and low points, you know, over the last years. Um, and obviously with your, your growth and your success that is great, but obviously there's been some downsides as well. I'm sure the pandemic wasn't fantastic. So tell us what's, what some of the struggles have been and what some of the high points have been for Coffee Link. Yeah, I mean, it's a tough one um, to answer because there are so many things to, to, to mention and celebrate, you know, from, as I said, uh, being able to pay for our solar panels, you know, uh, uh, being able to print our cups and they were biodegradable. We have recyclable bags. We have biodegradable bags. Um, I think the pandemic is probably a mixture of high and low. Uh, it's, again, and I can elaborate because it, it really made me feel feel really the, the anxiety and the panic of, of, of what we worked for could disappear overnight and, and that was probably the lowest point where um, we go from uh, a decent income to literally zero overnight yeah. when we were asked to close our stores by Public Health England and and when, when we did we thought my god you know this is what can we do what do we do and it was literally like that it was like horrible horrible feeling and but then it was uh, sort of his moments few months later when we decided to um, keep the grocery open for online orders only and telephone orders and and the, the, uh, our customers kept coming back and ordering and coming back and i thought well actually we still have a purpose we still have a reason to to, to keep going and with all the anxiety of it we, we kept going and i'm indebted to the team uh, here who kept going with me because uh, I remember the height of the anxiety where I said to uh, and I'm sure you remember the anxieties too or because um, it was a matter of you know stay safe and stay home really. yes and, yeah. and I had to say to the team you don't have to come to work and uh, I feel your anxiety so I feel it and I was really candid with them and with the exception of one person one person Everyone else came, mm. uh, and I thought, "Wow!" and mm. um, and I, I I feel indebted to them because um, all of us had to go home. Um, all of us always thought, "Have I brought something home?" You know, yeah. to kids and family and so yeah. on. And so all of us have those daily. I had them, and I'm honest about them because I can't deny them. They're part of me. They know they are. They are part of the experience. So um, the highest probably point is to realize that you could still keep going even though you've really been through that anxiety mm -hmm. and, and, and uh, horrible experience and then you're starting to emerge slowly you know even though you're still anxious about the invoices building up and coming through and, and then you think well actually I could still you know my, my team is, is still here we could still keep going we're still healthy and, and then you realize that and you think Fine, you know, we, 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 could, we could keep going. So that was a high point. 
and and as I said to you earlier, sometimes you feel tired, but you you want to keep going. And, yeah. And I meant you really you are you are literally so tired that you you know it's like being in a in a jungle and you can see the lights, you can see the exit. Yeah. Oh, You're driven. It's a it's yeah. a it's a drive, isn't it? Yeah. Drive. And, I mean, how how was it? Sorry, how was it for your producers though? I mean, I know for us, one of the real problem, one of my real anxieties, was for. The people in India, especially in India, because they had it so bad over there. And how was it for your producers? And how did you manage to get um, coffee sent to you? Yes, we we. Um, uh, I mean, unfortunately um, for our producers, it's been very difficult as well. So there was almost like an instant uh, 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 shrinking of operation, an instant reduction of of uh, uh, capacity to harvest, to interact. I mean, Colombia has been badly affected because. There was a huge shortage of of, uh, of, of help and labor, and um, Brazil not only shortage uh, that happened was uh, there was also frost. When I say frost, I mean like I mean, even twenty seven. I remember reading a report a couple of months ago, twenty seventh of July. It was supposed to be twelve degrees, and it was uh, minus one, minus oh two. Oh my goodness! So that means again the harvest is not going to be as good this year, which means that other prices will go up elsewhere because the demand say on Kenyan Ethiopian coffee traditionally will not be as high but this year will be higher so the prices are going up to the point where I'm talking to our farmers and usually they, they're asking us to commit for orders early but this time they're not asking us to commit no. the coffee is there but we know the prices are going up mm. and so it's 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 a fantastic dynamic situation where uh, things are changing and um, even though I can be anxious at time I'm thinking maybe it's not all bad, you know, but maybe there are so many changes that really almost um, uh, reconfiguring the dynamic of trade and we just have to live with it and we just have to take it as it comes and yes, sometimes we will have to pay higher prices. Yeah, and communicate it. I mean, I think that's, that's the thing, isn't it? We that, that, Going back to what we were saying before about people feeling that almost entitlement to keep prices yes. at a certain level, it's how we communicate why, you know, I mean, we had... Um, very similar to you we had that whole oh my god everything stopped what do we do how do we keep things going and then after a few weeks we were thinking what can we do to help the producers and everything and we came up with face masks you know and we did we, we I'm very proud to say we got them out kind of before a lot of other people and we we were very much around it's got to be organic and rain-fed indigenous cotton it's got to be unbleached no plastic above I won't go on I won't do a selling thing on the face mask oh. that's something from last year but that was um but then people were saying well these are really expensive these are really expensive I can get a plastic one for you know a pack of five million for two pounds fifty or whatever in the local shop or whatever and they're saying okay but it's communicating what that value is and some people will always go for the cheap plastic tat yes, and yes. other people will um, understand the value and I'm pleased to say similar to you we had customers who came to us we had new customers we had revisiting customers and it kind of kept us going and because they understood there was the story there they could scan and they could find out that they're genuinely helping people who really need to have help and getting what I consider to be a far superior product as well so um yeah, that's brilliant that's really good and so you you really have first-hand experiences of all the challenges we face really because and you hit it on the nail because communication and the uh, um being able to highlight the reasoning behind it is so important mm. because um and as i said again we're all partner you know 
we all want to value, but it's just taking that moment to say, well, what am I trying to achieve here? Is it value to me? Is it value to, to someone else? Yeah. And I think once you start uh, uh, with that thinking of, of, of inclusiveness, then you think, actually, it's fine. Yeah, because, and I, I think uh, it will take some time before businesses like ourselves create enough credibility that people will go out of their way. Uh, yeah. I mean, some people are already doing it. They'll go out of their way to support us. They don't really worry about the price because they have that faith that we'll only charge what we feel is right. Yes. So we're not, trust. Yeah. We, so the element of trust will again take another layer of questioning because mm. we have faith in that business that the business isn't going to cheat you. The business is not going to uh, uh, over, you know, charge you. Yeah. Uh, then it becomes easier to to really engage in those transactions without. Mm and you stress or, or anxiety really because and, yeah and I think it makes it easier for people because I think people are very time poor sort of especially in western cultures so if you find businesses that you trust so for example I'll name drop I get our vegetable box every week from Abel and Cole and maybe when you first go to them you think gosh this is a bit more expensive than it is um, and but now I don't even think about it I think well I know that they are doing their best I know that they are you know, yes. they're doing the best that they can do and, and, and all of that. And I don't have to think about it anymore. It's out of my head now. The decision is made and we get our coffee from you guys and we get um, stuff from various plastic free shops and, and supermarkets too. I'm not saying that I'm perfect in every way, but what I mean is that we, once you've made the decision and asked the questions and got answers you're happy with and you trust that brand, then you just keep going back to them. Yes, absolutely. And again, this is a perfect example of how, what we spoke about earlier um, in terms of justifying and redefining the value. Now you've done that, you've exercised that authority, you've questioned, you're happy with it and you move on. Mm. And then because for you, you're you're celebrating their success. Mm. Yeah. By supporting yeah. them. And, 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 and that's amazing. That's really, really good. And this is the it, it, kind of engagement we all need, really. When you see someone trying and you think, oh, I'm going to, help them out because and that's how you help them out because you you're trading with them you're buying from them yeah that's because a really good point yeah that's a really good point yeah the alternative is literally you're helping another big corporate and i have nothing yeah. wrong with corporates i mean they do some sometimes they do amazing yeah. good work and but n- not all the structures are transparent enough and 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 um so the trust element in a business and i think that grows and grows they become a little bit more restricted in what they can divert and then they have secret recipes and you know but we, we we don't know i mean as i said i i read about good examples and bad examples for big corporations mm. you know big corporations can be an amazing force for good when there is enough genuine interest to the uh, the greater group um but there's also examples where as i mentioned to you you know in the coffee world some companies they will go into a, say a village a producing region it could be any country and then they will look for a key person and that key person becomes their local representative and then they will say to them you know here's the money here's the cash go and get it's them. all about the money yes yeah, yeah. And, then, and then that person will go obviously maybe with a little commission they will uh, get farmers farmers have no knowledge no minimum price they have no knowledge I mean, you'd be amazed. I mean, again, sorry, apologies, I keep going on to coffee, but for me, it saddens me greatly that somebody would produce a lovely coffee and they have no means of drinking it. That's terrible, isn't it? It is terrible. terrible. And, 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 
And those are the examples that make me think, I say, oh my God, this is inequitable. This is bad. Yeah. Because, you know, if you sell and produce, you should be able to enjoy it with your family. That's but, really true. That's so true. And, and it's the same, again, I, you, you apologize for talking about coffee. I can't help myself talking about cloth. <laughs> but I was thinking the same thing. How awful to, and a lot of people have to do this, make clothes that they then can ever wear. Yes. Because they can't afford it. It's really, really bad. Mm. I mean, I I, I couldn't believe it when I first... um, I mean, Ethiopia probably is the exception because they have a strong local coffee culture and uh, they they have an amazing culture called uh, the coffee ceremony. It sounds grand, but it actually happens every home, almost every day. If you go to someone's house, you have a coffee ceremony. Lovely. where, Where coffee is roasted for you goes from green you can actually see it and it goes from green to roasted to brewed now personally i think you should not brew it immediately after roasting it but that's me again being picky but it's a lovely thing to do now imagine that you go to your friend's house and then they'll brew coffee for you and then you have like two hours to have a chat but then again as you said in some countries people tend to be you know time rich Mm. some people are time poor and and so things are changing. I mean, even in places like Ethiopia, there's a growing, a growing middle-class uh, 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 section of society. And, and so things are changing. So the world is becoming smaller, more dynamic. And I think we just have to really embrace the change and, and, and really make it work and, and, yeah. and make decisions from a good place because that's the only way to ensure that it works for as many people as possible. Exactly. It doesn't work for everyone, but... You can. I'm glad in a way that you can relate to to what you said about cotton, where someone makes a garment. I mean, imagine you're making a garment after garment after garment, knowing that you are not going to wear it. No. Or, or, no. or in our case, you know, you you looking at. For me, it's quite self defeating because if I am a coffee farmer, unable to sample my own coffee, I w- it's literally I would be unable to. Um, judge whether my coffee is good enough and i would be unable to improve it and i would be unable to enjoy it and and, and shout about it so mm. it's, it's very important to enable farmers and more importantly when i say more it's not more importantly but it's probably just as important we all complain about immigration and and if we carry on squeezing farmers so much that they see no hope in trading coffee we, we're going to lose a, a, a large section of coffee producing uh, mm. farmers uh, because they all end up walking for days on end to reach the American border. You know, I've seen recent reports of El Salvadorians. And Haiti. Walking, yeah, and uh, walking for... Um, Haiti, yeah, that, that was really sad. But um, uh, unfortunately for Haiti, it, it, I don't think it's coffee-related, but there are other countries that don't even get reported on. No. Uh, that work for days on end to get to Mexico and then to the United States. And a lot of them are coffee farmers, and they're giving up hope. It's not viable anymore. No, it's no. not viable. But again, um, to jump from coffee to cotton, because I can't help it. Um, if you go back to last century, one of the things that drove big changes in India um, was Mahatma Gandhi was saying those same questions about cotton because the cotton was being grown in India, and the raw product was then being brought to the UK to be woven into cloth in the Lancashire and Yorkshire mills. Um, and then the cotton fabric was being brought back to India again. 
and people were told you have to buy this but of course they couldn't afford it but they weren't allowed to take the cotton that they were growing themselves and weave it and spin it themselves to make cloth that was against the law so it had to always come from Europe the UK mainly and I think that was what inspired Gandhi to basically say no enough enough we're not doing that we're we're we, his rebellion was we are now going to spin and weave our own cloth you know um, and that yeah I mean I, I um, uh, read another article and he was obviously quite um, unique in his um, disruption so to speak he was yeah. in, in a peaceful way and I think lots of this, the, the situations we see I mean I, I really can't blame uh, colonialism for all the social and economic ills of say colonized countries but there is a lot there are lots of remnants practices because even though um the colonizing powers left they've left structures that are not yeah. really good yeah and and and, uh, and i think that is um uh i mean i come from morocco we were colonized by the french i'm actually really glad we were there in a way because they fixed quite a lot of things um, but when they left they left in a mess mm. <laughs> in a way mm. and and it is it's a horrible truth and and uh, so i'm um, it's not a nationalist thing for me, uh, thing for me, but it is more of uh, uh, the economic structures that were left in place. Yes, because ultimately, yeah. ultimately, uh, economy going forward will play a key role. I think there was a time where religious figures used to rule the world, and then you know the time of elected officials now is still uh, powerful. But I think in the future, businesses. I mean, you see already now. You know, the likes of Facebook and Google and Amazon, they are the size of countries, not yes, yeah. countries. And so going forward, business has its place to really impact change. Yeah. Business, and, and if it's better and well-led, can actually make a huge, huge change. And we need more women. In, in, uh, yes, definitely. Like, hear, hear. Yeah. <laughs> women, women tend to be, I think, much more caring than men. Anyway, I, I, I mean, I mean, I don't mean to be sexist about it, but you know, because it's the mother instinct in a way. Yeah, it's di- it's diversity. We what we need is diversity exactly. because you know exactly. of of every of every type, you know, everything that's available, you know, we we need to have it there and have. I mean, it's interesting you talk about businesses and, and going back to what we were saying about corporates um, a few minutes ago. I mean, there's there's a couple of things. One is um, personally, I believe that. Um, small businesses lead the way small businesses lead big businesses you know so in terms of transparency in terms of ethics i'm sure i bet you there's been some big coffee brands looking at what you do and thinking what can we pick from that what can we take how can we communicate you know in the way that they are doing and i'm sure that when customers come to coffee link or where does it come from we hope that they then go to other big companies and say well they're doing that so why can't you do that why should why can't you be telling the stories but you know why can't you doing the question that's one thing and then the other thing i was going to say someone very wise said to me a few years ago if a small business goes under can't survive you know they've still had an impact because they've changed the um expectation of customers you know so even if they don't survive that does then impact on customers what they think that they can get and they will go and drive big companies to do the same so i sort of hold those thoughts that by just by existing as a small business and doing it right even if you don't survive you're having a positive impact yes yes oh absolutely absolutely i mean i i'm 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 so glad that you mentioned that and this is where it matters to try even if you fail try yeah because as you said if you manage just to inspire one person 
or serve one person, you've actually fulfilled the role mm. because you've appealed to one person. So it's so, so important. And yes, you're absolutely right. Big companies sometimes will look at small companies. I mean, in our example, I can share with you uh, now a first-hand experience where a bigger brand, uh, you know, approached us and they said, um, we, you know, you came to our attention and um, would you like to convert all your stores to our brand, like a franchisee, and make more money? This is mm. what was told to me. And it was mm. cost a coffee. And yeah. I said, and I said, I said, well, I feel flattered. Thank you. Really, I, I was flattered, mm. and, and um, because you do, if a big company, I mean, yeah, they notice you. Yeah, exactly. And I said, but our customers come to us because they don't want to go to you. <laughs> well <I'm>, done. <laughs> yeah, and and um, and uh, I, I, uh, it was quite a love. I mean, I. <laughs> this is a. This is about three years ago, and. Um, and then I said, well, you're the elephant, we're the ant, you know, surely yeah. you're going to, you know, get rid of us. And we don't want that. I can see, see value in what we do and we love what we do. And I will never be an accountant or a lawyer. So that's what I do. That's my, <laughs> this is my it's sort of baby, so to speak. And what would happen now? And uh, uh, he said to me, well, three things. He said, um, one, nothing happens. You go your way, we go our way, which is what happened eventually. Uh, two, you, you do what we say, and these were his words, and um, uh, uh, you make more money and uh, you become a franchisee. And, uh, and the third one, he said, we don't do it a lot, but we can buy you out if we mm. want to. Uh, and I said, well, but we're not for sale. And mm. I don't know, again, my emotions probably spoke. Maybe if I were, my head spoke, I would probably say, well, how much do you want? <laughs> yeah, we have to find out. Yeah. <laughs> maybe, but they were sold eventually, not us. Mm. Yeah, that's interesting. Because it's all about buying and selling, not about the value of the business and the people who are being served by the business. I always think what, what my total absolute heroine is Anita Roddick, who started up the body shop, who um, obviously, unfortunately, has now passed away. But she, I, I believe, and I was talking to someone who knew her about this recently, she believed that when she sold the body shop to L'Oreal, and their, their thinking was that she thought she could then influence L'Oreal by being a part of that big business. But of course, once she was part of L'Oreal, she had no say, you know. And, and yeah, it, it is. I mean, it, all businesses go through stages of growth. And then, yes, sometimes you, you, you exit the business and there is fundamentally nothing wrong with it. And no. as long as you are talking to people of like-minded individuals who maybe share at least some of your values and i think um because as we said if you carry on serving customers with the same values then you're 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 doing well you've yes. done well whether you're in the business or out of the business and i think it's fulfilling that role and it's impacting change for me personally that's what matters mm. so it really doesn't matter who owns a business as long as it serves a purpose Exactly. And I think, I mean, to, I'll, I'll put it out there now. If someone wants to come and offer me millions and millions yes. of pounds, but where does it come from? And keep my values and, and have me involved with it and do what I say. I've got no problem with that. <laughs> That's and I, fine. I, I agree. I agree because sometimes, you know, bigger companies, I mean, I was complimented, but also offended at the same time when I was approached. I thought, well, mm. actually, he's almost saying to me, well, we don't want you and what you do, but we want to take your market share, so to speak. But yeah, but you wouldn't have that market share if you didn't do what you do. So no, I mean they, they, it's a, it is a compliment because they saw you as um, a valuable asset to have. But you know, I mean, we work with a number of big companies um, providing you know 
cloth and textiles and things for them. And there are some really amazing people in those companies that are trying to drive change from the inside. And I really admire that. So I think it's fundamentally about the people within that business and they're pushing to get the right things done and you know maybe that I mean you're, you're obviously working with big companies as well and we're it's it's changing it subtly that way and you as long as you as you say you get the right people the, the people who think the same way as you do then you know but we've also had challenges with um big companies where maybe we're talking to one person and everything's all agreed and then somebody else will come along and just squash it for financial reasons or because there's a change of personnel so that that is the danger with big companies people change yes oh absolutely and and this is this is um uh, yeah it, it's clear because again as i said the motives are not always as you or i uh, will appreciate because it's it's all about numbers and mm. for them but i still think what you do is really really important and i think um it's it's so much needed these days because it provokes thoughts it helps people change, even though when you think it isn't, it's changing people's thinking. Mm, I think I agree with you. Yeah. I think, and same same with your business. I'm really conscious of the time, so I'm going to ask you one more quick question because we could probably talk for hours. But obviously, um, next month we have COP26 up in Glasgow, thinking about the planet, the environment, of all the leaders of the world, hopefully going to be coming along there. Um, what do you think are the, going to be should be the priorities for businesses? and also for the individuals and what kind of things do, you, do we need to focus on now to try and meet some of the goals of the Paris Agreement? I think um, the goals I think are clear which is a reduction of you know CO2 emissions and and I think it's what we do to achieve those goals it's 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 going to be small things that each one of us does and I think the first in my person of view the first thing we should focus on is more relevant content for people on television on mm-hmm. the papers because it's so fundamental it's so big it's so huge that we can't deny it anymore because uh communication information quality of information evidence more data that will in turn in probably no time change people's habits because we, we, we probably under, undermine, not undermine, we um, underrate our importance individually and what we can do. But society is nothing but a collection of you and I, or individuals. So we need to treat people with respect by giving them good, honest data and leave the rest to them. Yeah. Really. Now, yeah, as I said, you can't tell people, buy from this guy, don't buy from this guy. You, we can't. We can't say... Uh, don't shop here, shop here. The purpose is to get businesses that are not environmental to become environmental. So it's not to punish a business for being profitable. It's not a, to, to, to make um, uh, people um, shy away from doing enterprise that would be environmentally friendly. So I genuinely think we cannot succeed if we don't change people's attitudes. Mm. And it starts with everyone. Really, literally, so the information, the quality of information, the quality of data, giving stories that relate. Uh, I mean, I, I drew a lot of inspiration from my early days, you know, in a small village where if a car passes, you want to know who's driving it, where did they go, where did they buy? You know, it was very, very dormant, so to speak, but it was safe, it was beautiful, it was nice, and you didn't feel any lack, even though there was some lack. And but I, I look at it as a blessing now. 
I don't see as there was lack. I think there was a lot of protection in, in that lack. And, and I think it's, it's important for people to realize how people live in some African countries, mm. how someone would live their entire life in a hut with no running water, with no electricity, and they're just fine. Yeah, I'm not they've saying got love all... and they've got food. Yeah, exactly. I'm not saying we should all live in huts, but I'm just saying it's just awareness, just to make people yeah. be more content with what they have. Yeah. And, and, and yes, dream of better things and, and, and aspire for them, but do not do it while abusing someone else because you don't see the abuse, but the abuse happens. Yeah, um, no, it's interesting. And I think the pandemic as well, maybe a lot of people realised that stuff, I mean, this podcast is all about stuff and the impacts of stuff on, on people and planet, but maybe during the pandemic, people put different values on things. So life, nature, family, hugs, you know, we, yeah. we realised that, your latest PlayStation or your latest mobile phone, they're just tools. They're just tools, you know. Maybe you don't need them, you know, in the same way that you did. I mean, I think we we discovered a value for things like Zooming people, which is the technology. So the technology is really, really valuable, but it's a tool to those people, to those relationships, you know. So I think that maybe change, maybe that's the good thing. I mean, I think you're absolutely right. And again, also communicating not not as a, you have to make sacrifices because of the climate emergency it's that look what we can gain by walking more we get better health we get more close to nature you know rather than we don't we don't have to drive everywhere all the time it's actually a benefit to us it's not a, a lack i think that's it's they, they need to change I, I want people to change the way that they think about these these things that have to happen yes oh absolutely and i think it's it's i i i Totally agree, really. I think it's just changing the way we think about things and feeling free to ask why, why, where does it come from, really? Yeah. Who's benefiting? Who's it helping? Because once you start putting those um, uh, 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 criteria, not criteria, once you put those elements into the equation, fundamentally, people will want to do something that helps someone else. Yeah, you, you, yeah, community. Yeah, so always, and, and because we're becoming more of a global village and people are less uh, uh, likely to not care. Mm. That makes sense. So it, it's, you know, people will want to know that their buying habit is not affecting someone else in the other parts of the world. Yeah. But they need to know about it. And this is where, yeah. <clears throat> excuse me, this is where information comes in. Yeah, and, and yes, building those connections, definitely, absolutely. And I think, yeah, I think understanding about the impacts on, on people and, and the planet, but also we've seen people wanted to buy local more haven't we and uh, understanding that things that they think they're buying locally actually come from a long way away and that's what I say they, they say to me oh, I'm going to buy that from that shop because that's a local shop I mean that's fantastic but it's still a t-shirt and it's made of cotton and that cotton was farmed in a different country there isn't any cotton that grows in the UK you know and very little grows in Europe I think Turkey is probably the only place in Europe that cotton will grow so you know um, it's people understanding that there's a chain it's not just the shop that you go to there's impacts all the way back and and the and and at the end too so when you finish with something there's those impacts as well we're we're part as you say we're a global village we're part of a a big big system um you mentioned right uh, at the beginning I think about um Prince William, and I don't know if you were referring to the Earthshot TV program. Yes, yes. I watched it the other day, and anyone listening, I really recommend that you watch it. Yes. Um, the, the the beginning parts were wonderful, explaining about waste and 
things being produced. And I think there was a fantastic um, section with bunches of grapes. Did you see that part where he was? They were picking grapes from um, uh, uh, vineyard and then going through the whole process of saying what gets thrown away during that process. So some of them get thrown away at the vineyard because they pull the odd rotten one off, and then they have to say these grapes are. Um, they have to all be a uniform size and they all have to look the same. So some of them go in the bin and then they come across in a container. So some of them don't survive the container journey, but rather than throwing away just the ones that don't survive, if, if there's a, a case of grapes and some of them look like they've gone off, the whole lot gets thrown away. So it was talking about that. And I, I thought it was well worth, I recommend anyone to watch that program. Yes, I do too. I think it's brilliant. I mean, I, uh, what, what, what I took away from it was, I mean, wastage is a huge, huge subject and, and it's, it's really bad in some cases. Uh, the other thing that I really thought was interesting was in so many developing countries, there, is, there are people who are working on new gadgets, on, on things to, to, to help the environment or have new practices. Or There was an example of um, an Indian girl who saw that on the street vendors used to burn a lot of coal and um and that's highly obviously polluting mm. and uh so she came up with a cart with a solar panel roof with a battery storage wonderful and, and i thought wow that's brilliant and mm. not only uh, is it environmentally friendly um uh, but uh, it also allows them to move about go to places where they can sell more or whatever um so we 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 take it for granted but earth is solar pa uh, powered really yes yes nothing nothing would happen without the sun really yeah. and and yeah. we'll all perish but uh, we're not really um tapping into that power no, and, no it's true um, yeah it's true. And, and i think it's just maybe a greater awareness and so it can be done i'm i'm, I'm positive about uh, mm. uh, making the right changes but we just need to be more aware. I think awareness is so key because yeah. it will just fundamentally change anything and everything we do. Exactly. We don't. That's so. That's a really good point. Nothing has to stay the same. You know, if we don't, we don't like it. We can change it. We just we, we've got the power to change it. Change will happen anyway. Yes. Know? Just that we we can sort of make many. We can make it the way we want change. it to be. Yeah, or, exactly. so, so certainly, if and if and if you don't, as you said before, you try. You know, yes. I mean, one thing I will say about every social entrepreneur I know, any entrepreneur I know, actually, um, we're positive. You know, we, we believe that we can we have a change that can be made or we'll certainly give it a good go anyway, you know, in any field. And I think um, it's, it's trying to bring that positivity, that drive and that energy to other people to say, yeah, you're a part of this. You're not powerless. You know, just by what you choose to buy or who you choose to talk to or the TV shows you t you watch, then you're making a difference. You know, everything. I, I agree. I agree. And I think you're absolutely right. We get um, uh, conditioned so much that we probably um, I don't, but we tend to probably devalue the power of uh, non-profit organizations. Mm. Uh, but they are very similar to profit making organizations mm. because it's only because we condition to value money so much. Yes, that's um, so true. That's we, so true. as I said to you, all of us serve a purpose, and and it's just that some of the purpose tend to be with the monetary value. The other person, the purpose uh, from a non-profit or a social organization has a huge amount of value, yeah. but it's just because it doesn't have the monetary value attached to it, people tend to dismiss it. Yeah, but it does make change. It really does, and and in the end, we can't we can't eat money, and we we won't be able to take it with us when we go. So it's it's I see money as, as a tool as well. It's something we can use, and unfortunately, 
we do need it in our current economy, but we, we only use it to get the things that we really need or really want. And it's making making good decisions about what you use it for. Anyway, I'm going to have to end it here because we've been talking and talking and it's been absolutely, absolutely amazing. Um, I'll put the link to the Earthshot um, Pro iPlayer link in the comments that go with the um, podcast. And I'll put a link, obviously, to Coffee Link so people can find out more about what you and Rebecca and the team do with Coffee Link. Um, so the last thing I want to say is thank you so much, Azuz, for joining me on the Where Does It Come From podcast today. Well, I want to also thank you for inviting me. It's been an absolute pleasure, as always, to talk to you. And, and thank you and have a lovely day. Thank you and you.